Welcome to Laughter, Dirt and Education, a podcast recognising and celebrating our rural and remote educators. From teachers, principals, teacher aides and gubbies, they share their real and inspiring stories of educating our bush kids. Come along each week for the often crazy and inspiring stories of education and see why these amazing educators do what they do. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I've had a little break lately because life has been pretty full and you will find on Wednesday if you're listening to this on the day that it is released that I am going to announce what my plans are for the podcast over on my Instagram and Facebook page so make sure you keep up to date there to see what's happening. But I really want to get stuck in this episode. I had an amazing time having a chat to Emma and I just loved how her life has progressed and her career change has definitely set her on the path that I personally think she was meant to be on. She is just full of bubbly energy and I just love chatting to her. So I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Emma. This is her story. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on today. No worries. I'm so excited. We just had a little bit of a chat before we started recording and I'm really, really excited, I guess, to know a little bit more about you and stuff. But I guess, can you tell the listeners who you are and I guess what you do at the moment? Yeah, so my name is Emma O'Shaughnessy and uh, I'm a reception and year one teacher at School of the Air um, in South Australia. So it's a very fun, unique role. This is my first year working in this sort of role, so I'm really excited to be doing it. Wow. So obviously we won't name the exact school, the air you're at, but it is quite a rural town. Like I've visited there before and I guess it's not remote, but a lot of your students are remote though. Yeah, exactly. So it's still a, a bit of a drive from home and yeah. uh, like in Adelaide where I'm originally from and where my family's all from. So it's a big change up for me, but I'm loving it here. And yeah, I've, I've had a chance also to go out to some of the stations and I thought my move was a bit of a remote move. And then I've gone out there and I'm like, I have no idea what I was thinking. It's a whole new world. Yes, and that was going to be my next question. So you're obviously from Adelaide. Did you grow up there, spend your life there? What did, I guess, growing up look like for you and then that move into deciding to become a teacher? Yeah, so I've had a bit of a, a, I guess, varied path into becoming a teacher. It certainly wasn't straightforward. So I grew up in Adelaide, sort of went to school right in the the CBD, right in the centre of the city. And when I finished school, I really wanted to become a chef. That was my goal, was to become a chef. And um, I actually went on the TV show, MasterChef, when I was 19. (laughs) Wow. Yes. So I was the contestant in the top 24 uh, in 2012 when I was 19. And that was, I thought I was going to be a chef and that was going to be my career pathway. And um, after I was eliminated and got off the show I started an apprenticeship and uh, had a a bit of an injury that meant I couldn't do cooking anymore so I did a degree in food science so I could stay in the food industry moved to Sydney came back to Adelaide did a bit of work in the food industry for a few years and my heart just wasn't in it I was like this is not what I really want to be doing and while I'd been at uni the first time I actually worked as a 
party host, uh, running kids' parties, dressing up as a fairy and a princess. And I just loved working with kids. Like at the time, I was just like, oh, what a good way to make money. And the second I started doing it, I just fell in love and was like, oh, I just love working with kids. So that was way when I did my first degree. I was like, oh, really love working with kids. And so at that time in my life, I was a bit feeling a bit unfulfilled and not sure what I really wanted to do and had some big sort of deep discussions with my family and thought, now I'm going to move back home and I'm going to go back to uni and do teaching. And so I did my master's of teaching. Yeah. And then ended up um, doing SSO work at the first school I did my placement at. And I just loved it there. So that was down the south coast of Adelaide, a small uh, touristy town. And I just fell in love with teaching there and um, was able to work there as an SSO while I was studying and then got my first job after I studied there and worked there for a couple of years as a teacher. And yeah, then I've, I've found out that School of the Air was hiring and I just knew it was going to be the, the path that I wanted to take next. That's incredible. Yeah, what a huge life shift and the fact that you're on have been on MasterChef I know that's pretty awesome if you ask me because I can like I watch MasterChef here and there occasionally and the fact that like very different your life is now (laughs) yeah it it certainly has been a bit of a journey to get here and and I tell people now that I was on MasterChef and they think I must be joking because I'm the slackest cook now. <laughs> I, Especially teaching, you don't have time to be extravagant with your cooking. So yes. I've just actually had my mum come and visit and we did a huge big cook-up. So I've got all my meals in my freezer so I can microwave them when I get home because I'm that lazy of a cook. <laughs> no, I think that's the best teaching tip I wish more people told me that in my first year of teaching, to have a big cook-up and freeze because you get home and that is the last thing you feel like doing. I don't want to admit how many times I just had some chocolate or something for dinner in my first year and then went to bed. Yeah, a lot of, lot of toast for dinner as absolutely. Yeah. So I've, got, I've quickened up to the, the freezer meals now. and um, <laughs> But, yeah, it, it certainly has been a big pathway shift for me. But, you know, I think sometimes – I don't think when I was 19, I would have been right ready to be, move into teaching. I think yeah. I didn't have the life experience or the confidence to stand in front of a class and actually deliver a lesson. Whereas now I've got a lot more behind me that I, you know, feel like I have a, a journey to share and continue going on with my students, which I think makes better quality teachers sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you say it because I was listening to a podcast last night about how many people are defined by their career but we change so much and like it's okay when you leave school not to know what you want to do and I think we change as people throughout our lives so why do we always have to stick to that one career that we think we want like there's nothing wrong with change absolutely and I was really lucky because my dad um, spent many years as a publican and, and running pubs and, and that across Adelaide. And then when he was in his 40s, he actually decided to change careers into nursing. Wow. And that could not be a different level, a different world yeah. from what he'd been in. And he just, he sh- I think he showed me and my brother exactly, you know, you're not on one step to find path for the rest of your life. And yeah. if 
things aren't comfortable, you're not happy, then change things up. And I think that's, mm. you know, something that I really took away from that. And was when things weren't working for me and I wasn't happy in the path I was on, I felt comfortable enough to go, no, nah, let's change it up a bit. No, good on you because, it, yeah, it can be a scary thought. Like I know there's been times where I didn't know if I wanted to continue teaching and I guess that's why I ended up changing to be a govy for a bit. And I think that has, even though it's a very similar role because it's in education it's just made me get my passion back for teaching as well I think yeah it's okay to mix things up and I think that's part of as well like shifting schools you know as a beginning teacher I think some people get feel like they're stuck at the one school and they need to stay there but I think the best way is an early you know I'm still this is my third year out of at uni so I'm still learning and to come to a completely different environment and get more experiences I just like I pinch myself every day because of how much I love working at at School of the Air it's just been such an amazing transition for me but it was definitely a bit of a leap of faith to take the job Mm. and um, especially you know not only changing locations but changing your teaching style so dramatically Yes. So can you tell us about when you first started teaching? So obviously you said you did some work in the school as an SSO. Is that correct? Yep. And which obviously led to your teaching position. How big was that school? Like obviously you said it was a um, touristy town, obviously very different to where you are now though. (laughs) Yeah. So it was was like a reasonably sized school. It's 400, over 400 students. So it's a decently sized school and um I was teaching in the upper primary, yeah. um, so six, sevens my first year and then four, fives in my second year there. But, it, yeah, as you said, it just was a completely different style of teaching. You know, I a lot more behaviour management required. Mm. Um, there were some challenging students, but I, you know, especially my last year, like last year at the school was such a brilliant year. I ended the my time there on such a high with the most gorgeous class and the most supportive colleagues so it's not I think it's always nice to you know end a position on really good terms with the community that you're with because um you know I think I'd be lucky at some point in the future to to work with any of those colleagues or see those students again so um yeah I I loved it I love face-to-face teaching I think it's um you know, what you learn at uni. So it's yes. what most people are really comfortable doing. And I'm definitely one of those um, Instagram classroom kind of teachers. <laughs> I love having everything organised and all the beautiful decorations on the wall. So I do miss that in <laughs> School of the Air. It's a bit wasted trying to make your walls yes. look pretty when no one can see it. Um, yeah, and I was actually lucky enough to work with a former School of the Air teacher and uh, a former Govy as well. So wow. that was part of the decision uh, behind me wanting to pursue School of the Air as a career opportunity because, you know, in the course of conversations, they'd shared their experiences with me and how valuable they thought that opportunity was. Yeah. And had you heard about like School of the Air, Govying before working with those colleagues or not? I actually learned about it at school on BTN. We used oh, to wow. always watch BTN at school. Yeah. And um, they'd, it, I think School of the Air is always a BTN favourite. Yes. Um, 
you know, because it is such a unique school. So we learned about it through BTN and then, you know, it had always been something that I'd known about and when people talk about it, I'd know what they're talking about. But, you know, if you'd asked me before I talked to these teachers, I would have said it was still on the radio. So I yeah. had not a lot about how far it had come <laughs> since yes. I'd seen it on BTN. I think a lot of people are probably grateful that it's not through the radio anymore. <laughs> Yeah, although some mornings I think when I when I'm putting my hair and makeup on, I'm like, oh, it would be a lot easier if they couldn't see my face. <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> so I guess obviously, like you'd heard through your colleagues, and the job popped up. I guess what made you though make that massive life decision? Because, like you said, you're not only changing the style of school you're teaching at, so that's going to then change your behaviour, management, your pedagogy, but you're also changing where you live and it's daunting as an adult well I personally think it's daunting to move to a new place because it was really easy to make friends as kids I think and then you have to do it again as adults and that it's not always the easiest so I guess yeah what was that main reason like why did school the year stand out for you Absolutely. Well, I actually applied for School of the Air two years in a row. So my first year I missed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But I, I spoke with our, our principal and our um, head of school and uh, she was just so passionate. So I decided, I guess, to apply because the first year I just thought I just wanted to give it a shot. I, I yeah. hadn't actually um, applied for a job in the education department um, because I'd sort of one role as an SSO and then fielding contract roles. So mm-hmm. I'd sort of just fallen into positions and I didn't really know much about that application process and was looking at trying to get permanency and saw School of the Year come up and I knew so much about it from my colleagues. So I thought without actually really thinking too deeply about any of the other stuff that we just spoke about, why not give it a shot and, and apply for a job and see how I go? And um, once I got shortlisted for the role, I was like, oh, I should really actually investigate whether I, what life would look like moving here, how I would go about, you know, that transition. And I thought, you know what, like, let's give it a shot. Um, get, got myself ready for the interview. And once I interviewed with our head of school, I, I knew straight away that it was a school I really wanted to work Cat. Um, once you speak to her, she's the most uh, bright, bubbly, enthusiastic, but honest and realistic person as well. You know, she told me not only all the exciting, fun things, but all those things that you said, like you're moving quite a long way from yeah. where you normally live, where your family is, you're, you know, going to have to change your whole style of teaching and all of that. And yeah, so did the interview, loved it and just missed out on the role and, and mm-hmm. was okay. Not for me, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um, and continued, you know, on with what I was doing. Uh, and then the next year, I was like, if I thought at the start of the year, I really want to think about this year as, at this school, looking at other opportunities that I could take, not because I didn't love the school that I was working at, but because I, I, I as I said before, think beginning teachers should really look at different opportunities mm. available to them. So for me, country teaching was on the radar. I wanted to try a different style of teaching, maybe a smaller school, smaller class sizes, um, and also was in a position where I didn't have a partner or and I don't have children, time yeah. down. So I was in quite a flexible time of my life that I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And School of the Air came back up as there was another 
position available. And yeah, once I walked into, I my first interview was actually on the uh, webcam. So yeah, on my second time, I'd never even actually seen the school or anything. So the second time, I decided probably should go and actually see the campus. So I did the the drive out and um, came and visited the School of the Air here. And I just absolutely, once I saw um, where it was going to be, the community here, what the town was like, I was sold. (laughs) So then I had to spend my interview trying to sell the head of campus on me. (laughs) And yeah, I had such a great interview again. And once I left, I just knew, I said, if I get offered this this role, I'm going to accept in a heartbeat. I'm ready for it. And yeah, yeah, got offered the job. So I was so thankful. Um, and then I sort of had a four or four month wait or five month wait because uh, it was one of the initial rounds of advertising, <laughs> I think. So I had a bit of a wait until I started. Yeah. And I knew that I was going to have to move from teaching upper primary to junior primary, which mm. was a big change as well (laughs) yes and you know it's really interesting like you said you just fell in love with the whole thing and I think sometimes that I guess is going to gut because I don't know if it's a teacher thing or not I'm probably embarrassed to admit if it is a teacher thing but like when you walk into a school you just can pick up the vibe with a lot and I think that's so so important because if it doesn't vibe with the person you are sometimes it might not be the right fit yeah, and there's there's been there's some fabulous schools out there that I think, you know, I probably I just wouldn't gel with. Whereas, yeah, the sec- I think if you have good leadership, if you have good colleagues, you know, everything else sort of falls into place, and that's what I really highly value, and that's why I'm so lucky here is because you know, and and why I enjoyed my interview was because I was like, what an incredible leader this school has, and you know, I'm so ready to to take on this opportunity. Yeah. And like you said, like you might not have got the job the first round, but that obviously that experience of having the interview to begin with is invaluable because interviewing, getting having an interview can be scary. Like it doesn't, I don't think it matters what level you are in education. Like I'm sure everyone stumbles and you're like, oh my God. So it's always, it's that valuable lesson that you can take away from it anyway. So obviously you made the move up there. How was that? Like, I know you've only been there a few months now, but how, I guess, was that initial move away from your family? And what's the accommodation like? Like, I only really know what it's like in Queensland where we get department housing. What does that look like in South Australia? Yep. So the move here was a 40-degree day, <laughs> uh, which Throw made you it in quite the challenging. <laughs> But apart from that, it was really smooth. So um, because it's a, a remote position or country position, uh, the department looks after you pretty well. They organise the move for you. And as you said, we also have department housing here. So I live in department housing, which I'm very lucky. I've got a very yeah. lovely, neat um, department house. It's in like a block of about 16, I think all teacher housing so we're all in a little sort of unit block together so you sort of know everyone you live with is um working the same kind of job same kind of hours so it's it's really quiet and and quite safe and um when I moved up here I knew the one thing that I wanted to get was a dog so before I moved I looked at a lot of adoption sites and 
I found this 15-year-old little white fluffy dog. Um, And so I adopted him just before I moved up here. So I have Henry who lives here with me now. So it's just me and Hen and uh, we get on so well. It's the best decision I made was, you know, he he doesn't need a lot of walks or a lot of exercise. So he keeps up pretty well with my teacher lifestyle. He sleeps while I'm at work and wants a little bit of playtime when I get home. But other than that, he's a pretty cruisy dog. So I think that was the one thing that I I knew I wanted if I was going to be far away from my family was a little companion. Yeah, I totally understand. I think, yeah, you have people around you, but sometimes like once it's at night time and you're home alone, that's probably when the loneliness can start to feel a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, and and my poor mum gets about 10 phone calls a day some days (laughs) of you know, and it's everything from just like, oh, how's your day going to what do I do to clean out this kind of stain? And yeah, I don't think you ever get too old for a phone call asking your mum for some advice. I completely agree. <laughs> so how was how has that change of school gone? Because you said like you've gone from upper primary to that lower primary. How did you find that? And then trying to change your teaching style as well. I think because it was a whole heap of change all at once, it felt like less of a change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was changing almost my whole style of teaching. It was just all in one go. Um, so I didn't have to just change, you know, to online teaching and then later on maybe change the year levels. I just changed all in one go. And I love it. I can't believe I didn't take on junior primary teaching before now. I adore the children in my class I wish I could take them all home pick them up from the little webcam faces um they are just the funniest most unique human beings in the world so teaching junior primary I think is, and I love being silly and goofy and dancing along on screen and singing and um you know acting like a bit yes. of a goof, which is always fun so that transition has been really easy I think the transition to online teaching has worked really well for me because I'm hyper-organised. I think Mm -hmm. if you are a really organised person, then online teaching works well because you have to be planned really far in advance of what you're going to teach because not only do you have to deliver the content, but you have to prepare um, all the resources for your families and your supervisors at home to deliver as well. So um, the way that we deliver our lessons is we teach uh, two 15-minute lessons online and then we have follow-up tasks that the supervisors deliver at, at home. So mm-hmm. the school day still runs from 8.30 till 3, so it's a full-length school day, but we're only delivering two lessons to the whole class and then we do individual follow-up as well with the, the individual students to see yeah. how they're going. But it like the role of a govy or a, a supervisor at home is so important and you know, I I love all of my supervisors. I feel like I, as I, as much as I love my students, I love my supervisors. I feel like it's like my little family of, you know, we've got a whole little community going and every time you log in, because my students are, are quite young still, they all mm. often have their supervisors with them. So you feel like you've got a whole crew watching in rather than just, you know, the eight or nine students, which is really nice. That is lovely. And I guess, yeah, you've had to build those relationships with those supervisors so you're both on the same page and 
yeah, making sure they're okay, but that your student's also okay as well. Absolutely. And, and so much of it is keeping your communication lines open. So I tell my supervisor that I'm totally contactable outside of lesson hours, like yeah. give me a text, give me a call, give me a, a message because I'm happy to get back to them because at the end of the day, you know, the student needs that combination of you and your supervisor working together really well to get the best education. And I think that, you know, the way that my supervisors work with me has just been so incredible. And you can see it in the students' growth, you know, when you you get a lot more joy when you see your students so infrequently because you can see those big changes in them when they do come in. Yes. And how do you, like you're talking about, you have your two 50-minute lessons a day, but do you guys then send out paper-based copies or is a lot of that delivery that the home tutors, gubbies do online still? How does that work? Yeah, so everything that we do is posted online. So Mm -hmm. it's all done through Google Classroom, but it's a combination of tasks. So obviously junior primary, we mix up, you know, sometimes it has to be a worksheet um, because it's so much harder to get hands-on manipulatives out to stations and for them, Mm. every student to have the same things at the same time can be really challenging. But yeah, it's, it's all delivered through Google Classroom, but I have all my activities for my students in the junior primary years off the computer as much as possible when they're completing them. So I don't get them to complete those follow-up tasks on the computers, but that's how we interact with each other. Yeah. Because I think the poor kids spend so long on the computers being so little that they do need that time off, you know, to to do their work with their hands. Yeah, that hands-on thing is still so important. And and you can see, like, the kids absolutely just love being able to create, build things and are so proud of, of the things that they're able to produce. And they'll do something and they'll hold it straight up to their webcam um, to show you what they've done, you know, which is great because when you're doing everything online, it's hard for them to get that sense of, like, oh, the teacher's seen it. So I think yes. the camera's been on and, and being able to share all of their work with each other is also so helpful. Yeah, definitely. And you've created an Instagram, which is obviously how we connected. But can you tell us a little bit about that quickly? I guess what is the name of your Instagram and what was the reasoning behind creating it? Yeah, so when I moved uh, up here, a lot of the families and the community that I moved away from really wanted to keep up to date with what I was doing. And they were like, you should start a blog, you should let us know. And I just thought Instagram's the easiest way to to keep people updated. So created an Instagram called Miss Emma Over the Air. And it's just a way for me to share little updates and um, little stories about how I'm going and, and mostly just let, you know, my friends and family back home sort of know exactly what I'm doing up here and what my adventures look like. And, you know, I definitely keep it quite separate to my work life. So it's more about, you know, the style of materials that I use or where I am um, and definitely nothing focused on the students because yeah. I think as a teacher you have to be so careful when you use social media and you've got to be completely separated from your school personality so I make sure that it's really separate but it's just a fun way for me to share what I'm up to. And I think that's fantastic because like you said it is such a unique role that you're in and 
you're in a very great position that you can still share the amazing things you do but not focus on the students as such it's really focusing on you still yeah and and part of what you know I learn a lot about I guess rural and remote teaching is through other Instagram pages and through other teachers sharing their stories and I thought you know what if I'm a new teacher going into this role I think it's always great to share my own experiences and add to that community of voices much like yourself of sharing because it is such a unique role that we might as well share what we're doing. Yes, definitely. Oh, Emma, thank you so much for coming on this afternoon. I I'm so glad we connected because obviously distance ed is a huge passion of mine, but I just love hearing your journey. Like you've taken that risk, you've made a massive move and you've obviously become so passionate about it. So I can tell how much you love your students, but just further on, like all those stakeholders that are involved, like the parents, the govies. And I think that's so wonderful to hear you speak so positively about it. Oh, thank you. I'm just, as I said, I'm just so happy in the role that I'm in. And I just think I I feel like I've just uh, landed exactly where I meant to be. So I'm loving what I'm doing and and happy to share it. Yes. Well, best of luck with the rest of the year. I know you have probably a few exciting things coming up in the next few terms with face-to-face stuff, but I can't wait to continue following your journey on Instagram. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Laughter, Dirt and Education podcast. I can't wait to bring you a new story from rural and remote educators each week. Make sure you are subscribed to your favourite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date. Until next week, thank you.